uh, it takes a lot to have a strong foundation in your marriage. And when you've got the added stress of, you know, having a startup is a lot like having a child. It's mm -hmm. a lot of work. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of focus. Um, you know, when the baby cries, you have to handle it. And when the startup cries, you can't really just put it aside for a couple of weeks until it feels like a good time or you'll never get where you're trying to get. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I am your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups to seven and eight figure companies, as well as the uh, founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And uh, on today's journey, we have a bit of a different uh, journey to talk through, a bit of a different episode. So typically, we go through the uh, the journey that uh, different founders and co-founders or other or go through as they uh, do startups and small businesses. Um, but today, we're going to switch topics just a little bit and have a special episode with uh, Jen Swartz, and I'll let her introduce herself in just a minute. Um, but we thought I, one thing that a lot of uh, startups and small businesses often face is you know you have a lot of time and effort into getting into a startup you have to put in whether it's time in the office and, and thought process and being engaged or having your mind somewhere else as well as putting in money and just doing all of those things in order to get a startup going in it can be sometimes a strain on our marriage or it can be difficult to keep a strong marriage and so this this episode with Jen she's a uh, marriage and family therapist we're going to talk through a few ideas and ways and, and things to think about in order to keep a strong marriage as you're trying to uh, to go through and do your startup and make your business successful and, and put in all of your time and effort, making sure your marriage doesn't fall apart, your family still sees you, your <laughs> wife still loves you, and your kids are still there. So with yeah. that introduction, welcome on to the podcast, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. So Good I gave a, a very brief overview of yourself, but maybe tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what your practice, what you do, and, and then we'll kind of dive into a bit more on the how to keep a strong marriage. Sure. So as you said, my name's Jen Schwartz. Um, I have a doctorate in transformational psychology, and I'm also a certified family life educator. So I work a lot with couples and families. Um, I also work with adults and children and teens um, in a lot of different capacities. But it, this, one of the reasons I love this conversation in particular is because I have experience on both sides of it. So I've started several businesses. Mm. I've also been the spouse of people starting businesses. Um, and I've got, of course, all my breadth of knowledge on just families and relationships in general and how to create strong marriages and keep them that way. Mm. Um, so I can kind of speak from both sides of it. Well, actually, I just said three sides, right? I can speak from all three sides of it. Uh, I know what it's like to be the sort of the the widow of the business at home and feel like your spouse is out all the time. And I know what it's like to be that person who's out there doing the drive and uh, taking the time and energy outside of the house as well. Okay. Um, and, you know, in my practice, we focus on a lot of different things, but I definitely um, have clients where this kind of dynamic is an issue. And so I've got some experience working with clients where they've got entrepreneurs in the family, um, either spouse, it's not always the husbands, although it does tend to be for the most part, but sometimes it's the wife who's out starting a new business and doing a new thing. And, mm. um, and you know, it does take something and it, it takes something to have a strong marriage period. It doesn't matter. Even if you just have both regular 40 hour a week jobs or one person does and one's at home, uh, it takes a lot to have a strong foundation in your marriage. And when you've got the added stress of, you know, having a startup is a lot like having a child. 
It's mm -hmm. a lot of work. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of focus. Um, you know, when the baby cries, you have to handle it. And when the startup cries, you can't really just put it aside for a couple of weeks until it feels like a good time or you'll never get where you're trying to get. Mm. So there's a lot of parallels to, uh, to family life in business startup life as well. No, no, I think that's, first of all, I think that it, it certainly is helpful to have someone that's both been through it themselves as well as have spouses and otherwise. And I think that to your point, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think that a, a good and strong marriage takes a lot of work no matter what. And even when I was before I got into a lot of startups and that, that I've done and was working more of a nine to five job, it still takes a lot of work. And then putting out that added stress, you know, an employee calls you at seven or eight or, you know, something else and says that they're sick for the next day or that they can't do something or that they have a question. It's hard to, you know, kind of adds that added layer of stress, not to mention sometimes even when you're at home, your mind tends to wander back to the issues that are at the office or the things you have to get done the next day. So I think that adds that. So I have a few questions, but maybe sure. before I jump into my questions, what would be the number one thing or the the thing if you were to pick, and I know it's hard to pick one thing because it's, <laughs> it's not just a quick solution. Right. But if you're saying, hey, somebody that's just getting into a startup or small businesses just getting going, what would be the one thing that you'd want them to consider or think about in order to keep their marriage strong? Well, I think um, probably the fundamental thing is looking at what are the agreements of your marriage. And when I say that, you know, it, it, when I work with couples in particular, that's one of the first questions I always ask them. What agreements do you have in your marriage? And mostly people look at me first like I have three heads when I say that because most couples haven't had a conversation about that. Most couples don't have a set of agreements that they've sat down, talked about, compromised on, agreed upon, have it written down, and it's like a contract in their relationship. Now, there's those understood agreements we all have, right? If you get married, there's some agreements like, I'm not going to just move to France without you. It, that's We don't have to talk about that. That's understood, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go start another relationship because I'm married to you. Doing that obviously is outside the Nope. Do we lose ya? Hello? Uh oh. Oh, there we go. It there we go. I was going to go see if I had to restart something. That's weird. So Yeah, I have no idea what happened. I looked and everything seemed to be okay, but it just launched itself back up. Okay. All right. So um, we're back. We'll back up. Rewind. Yes. So we're talking about the looking at three-headed, having the um, relationship and, and what the agreements are in your place. And then for some reason, it went slightly haywire. So let's rewind back to that and we'll, and we'll go through that one more time. Sure. So uh, what I was saying is... Um, you know, most couples don't have spoken or written agreements like a contract in their relationship. Hmm. And um, I always find it interesting because when I get couples talking about, well, okay, what do you think your agreements are? Um, they're very rarely saying the same thing. Hmm. So, you know, there, there are some things and, you know, we sort of default to things, right? Like when my children were very young, I 
had said I wanted to stay home with them. And so the, we defaulted to this world of my husband's out making money and I'm at home with children. And in general, that worked really well for us. It wouldn't work well for everyone, but for us, it did. But inside that, there were a lot of things that we didn't talk about, like how much time was he then going to spend at home with me and the children, right? Mm. Um, what was it? What was I agreeing to do? I was agreeing to take care of children. That was that was what I was doing. But I wasn't necessarily agreeing to also take care of the house and the yard and the dog and the, right, the whole list of everything else that there is at life just because my husband was out making money. Mm. So, um, you know, when people start talking about what those agreements are, this, it's a long process of getting really clear, or it can be a long process of getting clear. What are we really promising to each other? And, you know, there can be really basic fundamental promises like I promise to bring home at least X amount of dollars every month. And, you know, I promise to make sure there's food in the house, but it goes beyond those things. Um, when my husband and I first got together, we had, we both had children from our previous marriage. And one of our early agreements in our relationship was that we both promised to be kind to one another's children. Mm. And, you know, like on the one hand, why would you have to talk about that and write it down? That's like basic human decency that we're going to be kind to each other's children. Right. But we found that, and, and this is just, you know, true of families, blending families takes a lot of work. And so having some lengthy conversations about, here's what I, when I say be kind, here's what I mean. And, um, and then promising that that's how we would interact with each other's children. That was a really important agreement for us to have. Now we've been together for 11 years. Um, we have a seven year old son together as well as all of our children, you know, four of whom are adults now. And that's not on our list of agreements anymore because it's so fundamental to who we are and our family has we put a lot of work into blending our family in a really powerful way that we don't have to have that there anymore as something that we talk about and need to focus on so but we do have a promise that says that we will parent with love and compassion so you can see it's very much the same in certain ways and yet it's evolved over time so Get, get back to the very basic part of the question. You have to have agreements in your relationship, just like any business contract you would have. Um, a great tool for doing that, by the way, there's a book called Eight Dates by the Gottmans. Um, the Gottmans are like the gurus of marriage and relationship in the world, if you haven't heard of them. And um, they actually have capacity to predict they can spend about two to three hours with you and they can predict out of those two to three hours within 90% accuracy, if you'll still be married in five years. Hmm. It's a really, I mean, that's how much work they've done with marriages. And in their book, Eight Dates, what they do is they walk through eight conversations where you sit down with each other and you ask these questions and talk about things that most couples never talk about. Um, one, of the, one of the dates is about money, right? Which relates directly to business. Uh, and it's questions like, what does it mean to us to have enough? Hmm. What are our goals around money? Um, how do we intend to make that money? And also digging into the past. How did you grow up? Because if you grew up where, you know, daddy went to work and made a ton of money and you never had to think about things, your relationship to money and business is very different than if you grew up like I did with a single mom who worked two and three jobs at a time. So maybe on that, jumping to that kind of that question. So if you're talking about money, because, you know, that's oftentimes a difficult thing with startups, right? I don't know. Yes. At least it's an issue, right? So 
a lot of times if you want to do a startup, one thing is you're having to bootstrap, right? Or you may be dipping right. some savings in order to get things going with the hope or anticipation that things will pick up. Or, you know, you go and get a credit card and max, and I'm not saying all these are good ideas, but they certainly happen. <laughs> but they happen, yes. So how do you deal with that if you're wanting to get a startup or going and you're saying, hey, we may take a dip in income, or should we dip into our savings, or should we go and take out a debt, which, you know, second mortgage on the home, or how do you approach that with a, a spouse? And I'm sure it's different depending on, you know, your spouse, but how do you bring that up or how do you deal with that? Because I can certainly see if you're saying, hey, we've got, and I'm just making them or $300,000 saved. And now I'm going to go spend 150,000 to chase my dream and get a startup that, you right. know, the other spouses, other, you know, generally, and you mentioned kind of generally women versus men. A lot of times it seems like women want the financial security that, you know, that you have some savings, you have some money set aside for rainy day. So how do you make that balance or make that or deal with that issue? Yeah. Well, I mean, you really said it already, which is it's really going to depend on the people involved, right? Everybody's got different experiences around that. But I think so much of it is just about communicating. You know, if, if it is, I mean, the example you used, right? I want to use half of our savings to go do this thing. Well, if you're using half of the savings, that means half of it's still there. So you're not saying I want to take the whole 300,000 and leave us with nothing, right? Um, so you're coming to the table with a, an idea that kind of helps both sides. It gives you the opportunity to go and take this risk and make this dream happen, but it also still leaves some security there and some stability. And then the really important thing is if you get to an agreement with that, and maybe the agreement is, okay, I don't feel with a half, but why don't you take a third? Take mm -hmm. a third of it. Take just 100000 and leave 200000 in that account, right? Um, so you get to that compromise and then what often happens with startups is you blow through that hundred thousand dollars and you're not there yet and you need yeah. more, right? Yeah, you anticipated my next question. So that's what I was going to ask. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So then when you get to that point or close, hopefully before you get to that point, right? It's mm -hmm. what it takes is another conversation and willingness on both parts to do some compromising, um, but also to not overstep the comfort level of the person who wants the security because i think that's a really good way to erode some foundation really fast right so if i'm the one who needs that financial stability and in my relationship i am that person and as you said it typically is you know women typically want that more and men tend to be more of the risk takers um if i don't have that it it really it's not just like eroding a foundation it really is like my whole world gets rocked right and if my whole world's rocked, I can't then support my husband because I don't have it. I don't have the energy left. I don't have the space left to support him if I don't feel like I have that stability that I need. So, you know, I think a good thing to do then in the beginning is to say, okay, whatever we've compromised on is this. What's the backup plan if it's not enough? Mm. Right. And and part of the backup plan has to be that we'll communicate about it at that point. Unfortunately, what I've seen happen many times, um, and my ex-husband was guilty of this, not to call him out, I won't say his name, but um, is to get to that point and then go, okay, well, I'll just do this thing over here and I won't mention it. And mm -hmm. hopefully it'll all turn out all right. Um, and, you know, even if it does turn out all right, you know, even if you come back later and you're like, look, remember that? 
$100,000 agreement we had, well, I went and took a $50,000 line of credit because it wasn't enough. And it's all fine. I've paid it back and we're in good shape. Even then, you've got this huge lie that was present in your relationship for however long of time that was. Um, and that's not good for marriages either. So I think so much of it is being upfront, being clear, and having the tough conversations. Um, and you know, they, they can be really hard to have. And sometimes the best thing to do is to have someone else there with you, whether that's a counselor, a therapist, a mediator, or just a good friend who's not really, um, you know, not bought into the business, right? Not your business partner. Cause then you've got your spouse feeling ganged up on, um, and not your parents or their parents, but somebody who's really neutral, who can be there and listen and help, help things be heard. Yeah, and, and kind of on, and I think that, that's great or thoughts and advice. If you because I mean, I, I can imagine, and I'm usually on the side of more of the risk, although I'm financially pretty conservative. I don't like to do anything on debt or dive into anything. So I kind of straddle, but on the risk gauge, I'm probably at least wanting to do startups and wanting to take on those challenges. But, you know, I could see that the, a spouse, you know, so let's say you have these conversations, right? And you get through the 100,000, and 100,000 is not enough. Startups typically take longer, they take more money. You didn't, you know, right. things come up. And so you're saying, hey, I thought I could get it done for this, but I can. And you do that. Then the, the spouse doesn't want you to, or doesn't want you to give up on your dreams or doesn't want, you know, want to be the bad guy or doesn't want that. So it's sometimes they'll, even if they're not fully on board, they'll act the supportive role, right? Or they'll say, okay, let's do this. Or, you know, that makes sense or that. So how do you not just, you know, how do you deal with the actual issue of, hey, I'm not comfortable, I don't want to dive further into our savings and that, and yet be the supportive spouse or be the person that isn't trying to be the dream killer or create issues, right. um, you know, how do you make that balance? Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is really creating a relationship where everybody always feels safe saying what they need to say. And that is, you know, first of all, that's a pipe dream, right? When I say always feel safe, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you create a foundation in your relationship where there's always space for communication, um, it, it's easier to have those kind of conversations. So then the question is, how do you do that? Right? How do you do that? Um, first of all, you have to have honesty and transparency in your relationship. You just do from the beginning. Now, if you didn't have that from the beginning, it can still get created. Mm -hmm. Um, one really great exercise to do is this thing, and we do this in our family. My husband and I will do it with each other about once a year. We've found is enough, and we'll do it with the kids from time to time as well. Is we have these conversations called our, our amnesty talks. And mm. basically, you know, we say, okay, we're going to have our amnesty talk. And during this time, whatever, you know, if it's 30 minutes or an hour or whatever much time we've set aside, mm -hmm. I can tell you anything. And you promise that you're not going to be angry, hold a grudge, um, get revenge. Uh, you can't divorce me over it, right? <laughs> like whatever I have to say. Now that doesn't mean that you might not have a reaction, right? So if I came home and told my husband, oh yeah, by the way, I took out a $50,000 line of credit um, as part of that amnesty conversation, he's going to have a reaction. He's going to feel upset, betrayed, whatever those emotions are for him. But the agreement then is that we work it out in that conversation so that when that time period is up, we move on with nothing, nothing left unsaid between each other. Um, 
it's a really useful conversation to have, even if you don't feel like there's anything big that you need to divulge, just having those every now and then, you know, I had this thing I used to do and I think it was from growing up in poverty. Right. And then I, you know, when I got married the first time I, there was quite a bit of money available in my life for the first time, mm. but I felt guilty about spending it. So oftentimes I would do something, I would, you know, I'd go buy clothes for the kids and I'd spend say a hundred dollars and I'd come home and, and my husband would be like, oh, that's really cool. And I would say, yeah, and I only spent $75 on it. Mm. And it was just like, in a way, like these little white lies, right? It's not like I was spending $10,000 and not telling him, but I would always just downplay the cost a little bit. Mm. And I don't even know why specifically I felt like that was necessary, but I would do it. And I did it for years until I finally realized I was doing it. So in those amnesty conversations, that was one of the first things that would come out. You know, it doesn't anymore because like it's something I've, I've moved past. But that was one of the things that I would say. I'd say, yeah, remember I told you I spent, you know, $200 on the new such and such. It was actually three. And, you know, my husband wasn't upset by that. He wasn't angry about it. But I had it feel, you know, there's that, that weight of that for me that I was able to let go of. So having those conversations really important. And the great thing about them is if you can do it once and really keep the promise of, I won't be angry. I'm not going to get revenge. I'm not going to punish you for it, you know, mentally or in any other way. If you can really keep that, it becomes more and more freeing to have those conversations. Um, and things can come out that you thought, oh, I'm never going to tell that one. Right. And, and eventually you get to a point where there's just nothing between you because you know that everything can be said and it, it doesn't have to wait for that amnesty conversation. It can be said when it needs to be said. No, I think that, that's interesting. Good advice. I think that's certainly something that uh, I'll have to, or have to implement because, you know, and it's not that I'm, we hide much or we, we're pretty open, but it's just, you know, it's just, there's always a bit of that. If you did something, there's a fear of repercussion or a fear that they're going to get mad. And it could be something stupid or trivial that they're really not going to even care about. Right. You make it a bigger deal in their mind. Or it could be something big, but then you're, you're scared that you don't want to let, disappoint them or let them down or you want to hide it. So I think that's good. So, okay, now I'm going to switch gears to another question. And we could dive onto sure. these questions for much deeper. So one question I think we talked about just a little bit before the, the podcast was, you know, so you get a, a fairly wide spectrum of spouses that, you know, in, in, on either side, whether it's the man or the woman, whoever's in the startup of the other spouse wanting to be involved or not wanting to be involved, right? Yes. So I'll kind of give you the two extremes that I know of. One is myself, and that's me and my wife, and um, is that she doesn't have, and I don't falter, and I, we've absolutely, I'm absolutely respectful and supportive of it. She doesn't have any desire to be in an entrepreneur or to be in a startup, right? She just you know, she doesn't, she, if she, she works right now, she's a stay at home mom, has four kids, keep her plenty busy. Um, before that she worked, she liked working. She was a nurse. She worked for nine to five and she liked the go to work, be able to do your job, come home. You don't have to worry about it, anything else. And you can just have that time that you work and the time that you don't and like to yeah. keep it separate. So she doesn't have much of an entrepreneur body or bone in her body, but she, you know, she's a great mom and a good worker. On the other hand, I'm just the opposite of, you know, I'm always thinking of my next startup, my next thing I want to do, my next project. And so we've had to, you know, kind of, we not that we keep it separate, but, you know, she's supportive, she listens, she is there, but she, I don't involve her. I don't say, hey, why don't you come work for my startup or why don't you be an employee or you want to come sure. do some work because she doesn't want to. And I try and be respectful of that. And then on the other extreme, I, you know, I know I've, uh, on a different podcast episode, 
we had somebody that come on that they were on their third or fourth startup that they've done as a couple together. And kudos mm. to them because I think we would end up fighting to kill each other. But, you know, they've done it where they enjoyed it and they loved it and they worked together and they worked well. But how do you gauge, you know, if you're getting into a startup or a small business or just starting out, how do you figure out, you know, what level of involvement your spouse is and to keep her involved to that level so that she still feels involved? But you're not you're not asking her to come in and do work when she doesn't want to or not shutting her shutting her out when she wants to be involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, you start by asking, right? <laughs> Just asking that question. How involved do you want to be? Um, do you want to be involved at all? Is this something that you're interested in? Right. And then I think from there, you know, depending on what what the answer is, um, you're always going to have to adjust. So even if they say, like you just said, your your wife just really isn't interested. She wants you to go do it and she's going to do her thing. And, you know, then you'll get together when you get together and have fun with the kids. Right. Um, And and I think that's, you know, sometimes that is the reality. Sometimes the spouse does not want any anything to do with it. But here's an interesting thing, like from a contextual uh, way to relate to it. So my husband and I each have our own business. He's a contractor and I have my my private practice. Mm. And in very practical ways, we are we are not involved at all in each other's businesses, right? He doesn't see my clients. He doesn't do my bookkeeping. I don't come frame walls for him, right? We're not not really involved. And we uh, a couple of years ago we had a conversation and we shifted how we talk about our businesses, which is that we have two businesses instead of I have mine and he has his. So even though it didn't change anything about the way we run our businesses or the level at which we were involved, it gave us a sense of ownership. So Mm -hmm. even with, you know, the case in your marriage, you know, we, if your wife is out there saying, oh yeah, my husband has all these businesses, that's different than her saying, yeah, well, we have these many businesses and we have this and this and this. Hmm. Um, How do you get there? Well, again, that's just a conversation too, right? To say, hey, I want this to be an us conversations instead of a me and you conversation Mm. and really see where is the buy-in in in it. Um, And then I think also, you know, even if you do have a spouse who really doesn't says they don't want to be involved, I think there's always, you know, and it's part of getting that buy-in, there's always little things where a spouse can be involved. So, you know, for me, when I started looking at offices to open my private practice, I asked my husband to come with me. And I asked him to come with me, first of all, because I wanted him to have that buy-in, right? It was an opportunity for us to spend a few hours together for a couple of days, um, over a couple of weeks, you know, as we were looking at spaces. And, but also because he is a contractor. So he could look at the spaces and say, and I could say, you know, would we be able to put a wall there? And he could say, oh yeah, that'd be easy or no, but you, if you put it over here, that might work, or you can't take that one down, or I notice the lights are flickering, right? Like he's going to have all of that contractor side of things. Um, and, you know, likewise with his business, he was never really good at the bookkeeping side of things. Hmm. And so I've been able to, because I have been running businesses for over 20 years myself, I was able to teach him a few things that made that side easier for him. Um, And so I think even with a spouse who really doesn't want to be involved at all, at least that's what they say, if you have little bitty things like, hey, we're repainting the office and you're really good with design. What do you think about this color? You've just suddenly given your spouse an opportunity to have a tiny bit of ownership in what you're doing 
And while it might not seem like much and it might not seem significant, it does give them a little buy-in because then if they stop by the office, they're like, oh, look how pretty this color is that I picked up, right? You know, and, uh, and just give you know, them I think that's that little bit. And I think that's interesting. And, and, I, and I say my spouse doesn't want to be involved at all. Is I, I think to some degree, you're going to talk about what you're passionate and love and enjoy. So she gets to hear about it, whether she wants to or not. Absolutely. Because, hey, you know, if I have a crappy day at work and I say, you know, I was having this issue with this and I'm making it up because, but, you know, this issue with this employee or this customer didn't do what this or whatever, you know, you have to ask to vent to someone, vent to someone and they get to hear about, it. or, yeah. you know, excitement, this went well. But even that, like, you know, the other day, we do a, a weekly newsletter and part of the, you know, um, the podcast and I go out on that and said, you know, I really don't like the the logo that you use for the podcast. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, it's just that little thing. He's like, have you ever thought about changing it? And then I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I've thought about changing it. And we talked about it and got our input. And, you know, now we're coming out with a new logo and not, or we just uh, launched a new logo. So, um, but I think it was even that little thing of, hey, you know, she gave a little bit of a thought and input. And I think to your point of whether or not, it mattered a great deal of whether or not we change the logo. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We'll see. But I think it was one where it was her little way of being involved, giving the input, made it feel like, you know, she was involved with the company, is heard. And now the next time the newsletter goes out and she sees it, she's like, oh, yeah, you made that change and he's heard in that. So I, I, I like the idea of at least finding different, if nothing else, little ways or ways to be or keep them involved. And certainly if they're working with you and they're involved on a day to day basis, that's a different conversation. But I yes. think at least you know, letting, figuring out what they can contribute or how they can be involved and be heard. And I think that's a, a great way to, to strengthen the marriage around the business, even if they Absolutely. don't want to be actively involved with the business. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, when you then look at the other, the other extreme, like you said, you had a couple on who had done these startups together, right? Um, and my husband and I have had, had times where we really were working together mm. on projects, um, uh, business projects obviously we, we were together at home too right but but actually working on business projects together and you know one important thing is learning how your partner works mm. um one of the things we discovered was you know we so we had an issue we had built this uh, uh ramp for accessibility on a building and uh the city came over and said well you have to do this and this and this and they hadn't told us that the first time right because that's how that goes then they came over and added a bunch of stuff. And really with what we'd already done, it was looking almost impossible. So my way of handling that is I jump right in and go, okay, how are we going to solve this problem? My husband's way of handling that is let me complain about it for about 20 minutes <laughs> until I've said all these nasty things that I need to say, and then I'm going to solve the problem. Mm. And as you can imagine, you know, when we started to, when we were first doing that and not realizing that was the dynamic we would run into conflict because you know in that particular case i said well what if we whatever my suggestion was at the time and his response was we can't do that because blah 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 blah, blah right because he hadn't had his time mm. to say the nasty stuff yet um and once we saw that dynamic we were actually in couples therapy at the time because we were having such a struggle working together and we had about four months so it was going to be all day every day and so from you know after about two weeks in i was like we're going to need some support here so as soon as we saw that dynamic the next time we had an issue i just stopped talking let him do his thing and run through it all and as soon as it was clear that he was starting to problem solve, then I was able to say, okay, here's my idea until we came up with something that worked. 
Um, so, you know, learning those ways that each person works and problem solves and comes up with ideas and expresses ideas. And, you know, you can only usually learn those things through trial and error, right? Something happens, it doesn't go well. Um, but then taking the time to process it together with or without support, depending on what's needed, is really important so that, you know, the next time you have a problem, uh, you can move through it more smoothly, knowing what the other person needs. Yeah, almost a post-mortem on why that didn't work and what we can do and figure out what it makes sense. So Exactly. Well, we're running towards the end of the podcast, trying to keep in about 30 minutes, and there's about 20 more fun things I'm sure that people would want to talk about or hear and everything sure. else. And we'll have to have you back on another time and, and chat more on uh, keeping marriage strong. But as we wrap up, um, you know, what is if people are wanting to get a hold of you, wanting to get involved, whether it's, you know, they have, and I always, you know, I always, maybe it's just me. I always had the connotation. If you go into a therapist, it means that your marriage is broken and you want to fix it. And you know, that kind of thing. But I also think there's a place that, Hey, let's keep a marriage stronger, avoid the issues and, and keep it up front and, or make it our marriage even better than that. And whatever, you know, whatever bucket they lie in, if they're wanting to get into startup and saying, Hey, well, how can I avoid the pitfalls that others make or saying, yeah. Hey, startup is putting a lot of strain on our marriage. How do we get this back on track? What's the best way to get, uh, to reach out to you, to get involved and get engaged with you? Absolutely. So my business is Third Eye Family Solutions. That's T-H-I-R-D-E-Y-E, as in your third eye and a third set of eyes in your relationship. Mm. Um, and so thirdeyefamilysolutions.com is our website. There's a button on there where you can click and get a free consultation with me. It's like up to 30 minutes. And we just discuss what's going on and see if it's something that we can support you with. I do have another therapist who works with me and we work in different ways. So I'm able through those consultations to see and say, oh yeah, definitely work with me or no, you should go work with Jamie. Um, so that's the easiest way. And uh, I also have a podcast myself. It's called Some of the Answers and it's available on all the typical podcast platforms. Um, I haven't talked specifically about businesses or startups, but we do talk a lot about relationships and how to create extraordinary relationships and a lot about families and parenting as well. So those are the easiest ways. Or you, you can also just email me at thirdeyefamilysolutions at gmail.com and we can talk that way too. All right. Well, for all those listeners that are wanting to get or get their marriage back on track, fix their marriage, get it uh, strengthened or even make it better or, or wanting to get the uh, the pitfalls and the advice before you uh, jump in to a startup, certainly um, invite them to go to the, the website, shoot you an email and, and listen to your podcast. Thanks again for coming on. It was fun to talk through. It's, uh, it was some great advice and hopefully that everybody that's in the, the startup realm and wanting to already in the in the trenches or wanting to get in the trenches <laughs> have got learned some great things um as as always for those of you that are wanting to come on and tell your inventive journey um you're welcome to go to apply at inventivejourneyguest.com and uh, for those of you that are listeners make sure to subscribe so that you can uh, hear all the new episodes including this one and if you need any help with uh, patents and trademarks feel free to reach out to us and we're happy to help Thanks again for coming on. It was a pleasure and fun to talk through and uh, good luck uh, helping everybody to continue to have strong marriages. Great. Thank you, Devin.